Thanks for tuning in on our Canyon Hills San Luis Obispo podcast. Wherever you're tuning in from, we pray you're encouraged by the message. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 6. You all there? If you're ready, say, I'm there. All right, here we go then. Be anxious for nada. Yeah. The gringo in the room just said that. Be anxious for nothing. But in, what's the next word? Okay, so we've got nothing and then we've got everything. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. That word supplication just simply means it's an earnest prayer. It's a humble prayer. One translation even says it's to beg. Have you ever believed God for something so much that it almost felt like you were begging? Now, here's the cool part. You don't have to beg God because God wants to answer your prayer. So when you see that word beg, what it means is it's an intent of the heart that you are so desperate for God to do something that you have supplication. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses some understanding, but the peace of God that surpasses your understanding, all understanding, all, everyone say all. All understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren and sisterin, there you go. Whatever things are true, everyone say true. Whatever things are noble, say noble. Whatever things are just, say just. Whatever things are pure, say pure. Whatever things are lovely, say lovely. Whatever things are good report, say good report. And you guys are good. If there are any virtue, any virtue, and if there's anything praiseworthy, oh, this is good. Meditate on these things. It's amazing how it says, all the good things, meditate on those. Now, let's just call it like it is. We don't meditate on the good, do we? No, 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 because it's all about the wrong going on. It's all about the bad going on. The world's falling apart. My life is falling apart. It's them. It's them. It's bad, bad, bad. No, no, no. He says, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on those things. Today, if you're taking notes, I want to speak to you from the subject of, we got this. Not I got this. Not you got this. We, we got this. Amen. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Father, help in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen and amen. Would you look at your neighbor real quick as you're being seated and say you look great today. Come on. Come on. Don't lie. You're in church. All right. Now, come on. Look at the neighbor you just ignored and say you look good too. If you don't have a neighbor, just talk to it as you do. All right. So now here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Today, if we're, kind of, we're going to like put this message right in a theme, I always try to talk in themes, and I always try to say this at the very beginning because I want you to be able to, to set your heart and your mind on what we're talking about. If I was to take this message today and give it one word, the word that I would be talking about today, the word that I want you getting in your heart and in your spirit when you leave this place is a simple word called confidence. Would you say confidence with me? confidence. Now, here's the thing that I want us to consider. All of us, if you think about it, have some form of uncertainty of confidence. Think about it. 
Inside of all of us is this battle and this war that goes on that sometimes says a statement like this, I'm just not quite sure if I've got what it takes to, and then you could fill in the blank. I'm not quite sure if I have the confidence to be the best man or woman of God that I could possibly be because I've got these things that keep coming at me, that keep pulling me away from God, so therefore I'm just not too confident that I can do this. And then it begins to go down deeper in life. Like I'm not too confident maybe to be the the best husband that Vanessa would need or the best dad that my boys and my little girl would need or to sometimes even be the best friend that I could be to those that I call my friends. And it then begins to trickle down to can I even be the type of pastor that people actually want to be spending time with and living life with, right? These confidence things. Now, I say that as an illustration because in your life, it might look the same way. You might look at who you are, where your life is going, and quite say, you know, I'm not quite sure that I've got what it takes to be what I'm supposed to be. And sometimes that gets altered because of circumstances in life, right? There's times when everything just seems to be rolling and everything's good that I'm very confident. But it's when things begin to get a little shaky in life or a little out of rhythm or out of balance that we begin to question and to doubt ourselves. Let me let you off the hook. Don't put so much stock into yourself. Notice it's not, oh, I've got this. No, no, no. It's we got this. Now, you might be saying like, like we, that's a part of it. But the reality is, is the confidence that you need is not found necessarily in all of us around each other, although it helps. The confidence that we need is actually found in God and in God alone. Now, what's interesting to me, though, think about this, is when we lack confidence, everyone say confidence. When we lack confidence, what begins to happen is we begin to compensate by either not trying. In other words, I'm never going to be good enough. This isn't going to work. I'm done. You ever been there before? Or we begin to criticize, or we begin to compare, or we begin to complain. Am I speaking to the right crowd? Like when confidence goes out the window, it's now the blame game. What can I blame this lack of confidence on? I listed in my notes three types of of insecure or unconfident people. Maybe this will kind of help us understand this, right? There's three types of categories for those that are very unconfident in who they should be. Number one is we have the people pleasers. Do I have any people pleasers in the room? Show of hands. Let's go. Okay, we got some hands going up. Okay, we've got the fishers. We got any fishers in the room? Now, some of you are going like, wait, are you talking about catching like trout? No, no, no. I'm talking about when you lack confidence, you're trying to fish confidence into your life with the people around you. I'll give you an example in just a moment. And then we have the third category, which by the way, by the way, let me just pause here and say, I've been all three of these. Maybe you have too. Then we have the one-uppers. Oh man, anybody know a one-upper in your life? Always one-upping the conversation. So think about this. When people are lacking in confidence, you, you have the people pleaser. They're the type of person that when they do something, they just want to make sure they're doing it, not so they could be happy, 
but so you could be happy. They could be in a meeting, and the story can go like this. They can be in a meeting. They can put this idea out there. This is my idea. It's going to be good. And someone debunks that idea. And rather than pushing back and saying, no, 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 it's a great idea. They go, oh, you know, yo, you're so right. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they completely change everything they just said because someone didn't agree and they wanted to please them. You ever seen it before? Okay, let's talk about the fishers. Now, ladies, I'm not trying to pick on you, whether you're in the room or you're watching online. I'm just going to put this scenario out there. Okay, here we go. Everyone smile at me, especially ladies. It's when you get up in the morning, or at least that's what your Instagram post says you did, right? And you're not feeling too good about yourself. So you grab that phone that you have, you take that camera out, you flip that thing around, and you want the world to know that you are here. And you take that photo, you don't really smile too much because you're trying to fish for something, right? And so you pop it on there and you're like, blah, not really feeling great about myself today. Now in the photo, your hair's done, your makeup's done. You've got the Hobby Lobby coffee cup that says, today is the day. Your journal is laid out nice with the Bible opened up to the book of Psalm. Your notes are there, just feeling blah. You post it. You wait two seconds. Someone goes, oh, no, no, no. You look great. Oh, thank you so much, right? You're the fisher in the room, right? In other words, they're fishing for stuff. So in other words, they, they put stuff out there, right? Like, oh, I just don't. It's, you don't even really know how you feel at all. You're just wanting someone to like, like just like speak to you and affirm you, and you're fishing for it. Do I, do I know anybody in this room? And I know you're not going to raise your hand on this one. Have you ever been where you're just fishing for something? I've done it before. Get off the stage. Someone comes up. Oh, pastor, that was a great message. Oh, yeah, you know, I wasn't really feeling it today. Yeah, you know, slept for a couple hours, you know. It's like, no, no, it wasn't the baby snoring. It was Vanessa. I mean, and it's like, oh, I mean, no, 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 not at all, not at all, not at all. And it's like, no, no, I just, man, I couldn't sleep. Oh, my, man, I tell you, like, you were just so heavy on my mind. And I just, I'm going to pray through the night. And I got four hours in, and I was tired, and I was asleep on this pew. But thank you for your kind words. It's the fishers. Ah, but there's one more category. Oh, it's the one-uppers. Oh, these guys are good. Have you ever been around a one-upper? Yeah, it's like, oh, I caught a fish and it was this big. Oh, yeah, well, I caught a fish and it was this big, right? They're, they're the they're one-uppers. It's like, it's like, oh, my kid, oh, my kid is so awesome. My kid read a chapter in the Bible. Oh, oh, that's nothing. My kid memorized the New Testament. In Hebrew, in Hebrew. Memorized the whole thing. Oh, man, I'm, I'm so excited, man. I'm, I'm going on a vacation this week. Oh, that's nothing. <laughs> I get three months off, and I've got my own island. <laughs> or it's like, oh, man, I, I just I feel so sick. Oh, do you? Oh, there was this one time I got so sick. Oh, my gosh. They found out that I had a disease. It had never been found before. <laughs> they named it after me. It's now my disease, but I'm fine now. It's the one-uppers, right? Now, let's just call it for what it is. Most of the time, whether we're people-pleasing, fishing for affirmation, or being the one-uppers, more times than not, more times than not, I, I know, there's a percentage, more times than not, you're probably talking to a very insecure, unconfident person. Oh, it got quiet. That's not what I was expecting. 
Think about it. They're having to do these things because there is something missing in their confidence level that they feel they have to now go after all of this stuff for people to like them, for people to praise them, and for people to understand them. They're always going after this idea. Has anybody ever been there before? Come on, let's just get, I, I need this for me. Can you guys do something for me? If you've been there before, can you just like lift up a hand so I know I'm talking to the right crowd? Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much. For those of you who didn't lift your hand, it's because you didn't want to lift your hand. Anyways, <laughs> think about this. Confidence, confidence. Or you're just like, man, he hit me right where I am and I'm feeling it, right? There's a confidence that we need to have. And I really feel this in my heart. There is a confidence that all of us as Bible-believing Christians need to have. But the question that I have is where does it come from? Think about this. Where does true confidence really come from? What's it, what's it stem from? If you're taking notes, I'm going to give you a two-parter here to help us understand. The first thing I want you to write down is simply this, is we don't need self-confidence. You're going like, wait a minute, hold on. You just spent 12 minutes telling me that I need to be a confident person, and now you're telling me that I don't need self-confidence. And I'm saying, correct, you don't need, keyword, self-confidence. What you need to do is the second part, is we need to cultivate God-confidence. And here's the deal. That's, no, that's not so far out of the ordinary of what you thought you were probably going to hear. Because we know this to be true. In inside of ourselves, we are not good enough. That's why if things aren't working out and we've been doing it on our own and not with God, that's why we have the results that we have. Temporary happiness, no sense of purpose, lacking true joy in the midst of hard times. Where does that come from? It comes from us taking our life under our control with our self-confidence that we read in some book that we think we've got because we're tough to only find out, no, we're not. We're never good enough. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you ain't good enough. Woo, some of you need to calm down a little bit right there. It's a good thing we're starting that marriage class in a few weeks. It's on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. Make sure you register today, canyonhills.com slash RSVP. Or you can text 805-321-1357. Thank you, Taylor. You need to cultivate God confidence. Let me show you where I got it from. Because this is not an idea. This is not self-help. This is the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Do not be so naive and self-confident. Man, you talk about holding no punches right there. Don't be so naive. This is Paul speaking. Don't be self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. That's why when we say things like, when you think you've got it all together, uh-uh. Be careful. Be careful. Because you're just like everyone else. We've all got good. We've all got bad. Then it says, forget about self-confidence. It's useless. You ever have something in your house that's just utterly useless? It's useless. Then it goes on to say, what does he say? Cultivate God-confidence. If there's anybody who understood the need for confidence and where it came from, it was the Apostle Paul. Guy, he found himself in some very, very hard times. So what he was saying in a simple form, just like it's laid out here, is you can't be self-confident. You've got to be God-confident. Why is that? 
Why do we need to understand that we can't be self and we must be God-cultivated? Write this down. There's three things. The first thing is because my heart is deceitful. Have you noticed that? My heart and your heart is deceitful above all things. Paul's saying you can't have self-confidence because your heart won't allow you to. We have an unbelievable ability to deceive ourselves, don't we? So that's why we can't have self-confidence. What's another reason why? It's because my flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. Paul said, it's funny, the things I don't want to do, I do. Why is that? Because my flesh is weak. It wants to give in to temptation. It wants to give in to the things that aren't of God. So we can't have self-confidence because, look, here's the deal. We're weak. The third thing is because my behavior is inconsistent. Have you noticed that? Let's just break this down in normal, regular lives. Are there any goals that you're trying to go after that you just can't quite do because of inconsistency? Imagine that on a spiritual level. Our behavior is inconsistent. I'm passionate about God for five or six days, and then all of a sudden, ooh, shiny thing. That's not of God, right? My behavior is like, I want all of God, but then it comes time to submit my life to God in the things of God. And my behavior says, don't want to do that, don't want to do that, don't want to do that. I'll give you one good example to hit everybody. Walking in love towards those who rub you wrong. You talk about inconsistent behavior. Whoa! You don't need me to tell you. Just get around someone who doesn't believe what you believe. What's your heart towards them? What's your attitude towards them, right? Our behavior is like, oh, yeah, love God, love people. That's what Jesus said. Jesus took the Ten Commandments. By the way, a new series starting next week. Jesus took the Ten Commandments, and he simplified them. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Some of you, I know you love you. Come on. You love you. You want to do the things what? That make you happy. That bring you joy. You look after yourself for the most part. Am I right? Love your neighbor the same way. That's where behavior can get a little inconsistent. So the reason why I can't have self-confidence, my heart is deceitful, my flesh is weak, and my behavior is too inconsistent. See, for for those who say, man, I tell you what, I'm just going to make my life what it can be. You don't want to do that. Number one, because you're going to make it harder on yourself. God's got a great plan for your life. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper, right? To give you a hope and a future. God knows best for all of us. So why are we trying in our own ability, in our own self-confidence, to build a life that we think we want? When God says, I've got something so much better for you. That's what we should be leaning into. So where does that come from? That comes from saying no more self-confidence. Now I've got some some God confidence, which this isn't in the notes, but it just hit me. It is so much better knowing that if I have God on my side, I don't really care what comes after me. What am I worried about? I've got God. When my dependency is upon him, it's almost like, it's like anybody like to taunt I know that's probably not a, uh, that's, that's a very unusual question. Sorry. Um, it's, like, it's like I just want to taunt the devil in a way to say, go ahead, come after me. I don't care. I, I got God. Who am I placing my confidence in, me or God? God every single time. So what I want to do, what I want to do is I want to just give you three truths 
to help us all, myself included, to continually develop God confidence. Why? Because God confidence, according to the Apostle Paul, is better than self-confidence. So today the goal is, is that when you leave this place, that you would begin to take these three points, begin to ask yourself some very tough questions. Am I doing this? Am I not doing this? And if I'm not doing this, now would be a great day to start doing this. That is the point of the Bible, to not just be a, a hearer of the word, but to be a doer of the word. So what I hear, I'm accountable to, and God's going to help me along the way. That right there is worth saying, amen. One, two, three. Ah, there we go. That's like a pastor's way of getting people to interact back and forth. It's like a transitional piece. Anyways, moving on. Three truths, just three. Number one, if we're going to develop God confidence, we have to know that God is always for me. Say that with me. Say, God is always for me. One more time, like you mean it. God is always for me. Keyword, always. This is not a performance deal. I might get my old school chaplain days on here, okay? This is not about performing for God so God says, I approve of you. Can I just tell you, God is for you, always. But pastor, you don't know what I think. Doesn't matter, God's for you. Pastor, you don't know what I've done. Doesn't matter, God's for you. Like no matter what you said, what you've done, what promises you didn't fulfill, God looks down from heaven and says, I am always for you, no matter what. Does God look down and say, I wish you wouldn't do that? Sure he does. Why? Because he knows what's best. But it doesn't change the fact that he says, I got you. I'm with you. I'm the God who loves you, who gave his son for you, who's got a great plan for you. Why are you trying to gain my approval? You already got it. That's what God would say to us. So when we understand that I need confidence from God, when I first understand that he's always for me, no matter what, I mean, think of the words of David. David had a lot of words, by the way. You want to know why David had a lot of words? Because David made a lot of mistakes. And some of you think you've out-mistaken God. Can't make any more mistakes with God. He's already given up on me. That's silly. God doesn't do that. So, so David has all these words. I mean, you go through the Bible, and then you get to the book of Psalm. And you read all these words. Why has he got so many words? Because he messed up a lot. And yet it's one of the most puzzling scriptures in all of the Bible. Yet David was a man after God's own heart. It's an amazing thing. The reality is, is so many people have an inaccurate view of the character and the nature of God. And the reason that is is because they often feel like God's love and God's favor and God's acceptance is tied only to their performance. Well, I didn't read my Bible today, so God's disappointed with me. Hear me. Yes, he would love for you to read his Bible. But your word disappointment is a word you said. It should be different. It should be, I missed time in God's word today. I'm spiritually hungry. There's a difference. You've heard me say this before. If I have to climb a ladder to get to a place where I got God's approval, how high do I have to climb? Until God finally says, you know what? You've met my expectations good enough. In your, own, in your own way, you'd be climbing forever. You'll never obtain it. Yeah. 
We don't climb a ladder to God's approval. God simply loves us. It's hard to understand that, though, because we have an uncalculated, unmonitored, inaccurate view of what God's love really is. It's too hard to understand. So we have to simplify it and just say, it's too hard to understand, so Jesus just loves me. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me. Right? Awkward, can't take it back. It's going on Vimeo tomorrow at 6 a.m. I, um, you guys, have, if you've been a part of our church for, um, for a while, you've maybe heard me tell this story. There was a gentleman that I used to be a, um, I don't know what to call it, but he was an MMA fighter. It's about six foot six, 225 pounds, and about 5% body fat. Never seen anything like it in person, of course. And uh, he was a great guy. And so he started coming to a church that we were a part of in Stockton, California. And uh, he knew that I loved sports and all of that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, get inside of Octagon Fight. That sounds cool. I'll watch that. And he's like, would you come with me to my fights and just kind of be there for me? I could use someone to talk with and all that stuff. And I thought, well, that sounds really good. About the third fight in, he had won his first two fights unanimously, by the way. There's something about a six foot six person, 225 pounds, rushing at you with big, long fists that makes you just want to crawl into a hole and never return. And that was proven time and time again. We're at his third fight, and he was finally fighting a gentleman who was very, very well, had a very good record, um, looked the part, played the part. Um, it was going to be a tough fight for him. And I could remember as I was out just kind of in the crowd, they would have the fighters room in the back. And there would be some times when I would go back there. But this time he called me to the back he said, Pastor, I have to talk to you. I got to get something off my chest, you know? So I'm like, okay, well, what is it? He goes, well, I'm going to lose the fight tonight. Now, in my head, I'm going, that's probably the worst thing you could say before someone's trying to throw a fist at your face. Like, you're already talking self-defeat. Like, I'm a little confused by that. And I had never seen this side of him before. And I was like, well, this is interesting. And so I said, well, tell me why you think you're going to lose the fight. He goes, I'm just, I'm just going to lose the fight. And he just wouldn't come out and tell me why. And I said, well, I go, hey, I mean, have, have you been like, you know, being lazy in your training? He says, oh, no, I've trained hard. Okay, have you been watching film? Oh, yeah, I watched a lot of film. You got a game plan? Yeah, I got a game plan. I go, then I'm having a hard time understanding why you think you're going to lose the fight. And he said these words to me. He said, Pastor, I didn't read my Bible that much this week. And I haven't been praying. And I did the same exact thing you're doing right now. <laughs> I just stared at him. And I was like, so hold on here. You mean to tell me that because you have not read your Bible this week and you have not been praying like you normally do, that a God up in heaven is going to teach you a lesson by allowing yourself to go inside of an octagon and get punched around or choked out? And he just kind of looked at me. And I won't call his name out. I said, can I just tell you something? God doesn't care who wins this fight. Which that really shocked him. <laughs> God doesn't care. Can, can I just tell some of you guys who are in sports? You can't pray to win. God loves you and gave you an ability to play that. But he doesn't care who wins. Some of you like, are praying over the Super Bowl. It's because you put a bet on the table. But some of you are like, <laughs> like you think that your prayer life and how, God don't care. Yeah. I, I told him, I said, look, I said, he goes, well, no, that's not true, Pastor. I said, okay, so let me give you a scenario. I go, do you love God? He goes, I love God. I go, I know you love God. You allowed some other things to get in, in your way this week. That's all you did. You made a mistake. Stop beating yourself up so much. 
It might happen out there. Plenty. <laughs> like, stop that. I go, but you love God. Now, let's just say this other gentleman right here, he loves God too. And he prayed more than you did. And we, is God going to go, favor upon you, beat him up? <laughs> God's not going to do that. God don't care who wins. You want to know what's at the heart of the issue? He treated his relationship with God how he treated his job as a fighter. It's all about how I perform. And my significance and my security and my purpose is tied to all of that. It's not how it works, guys. Now, the Bible does say this. Last week we talked about care and candor, right? So you know I care for you. Here's the candor side. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commands. That means we have a responsibility to read God's word and to do what it says. You've heard me say this. If you want to succeed in life, read God's word, do what it says. You will find success. So what I'm saying is, is you trying to fight for God's approval, especially after you've made a mistake, right? Because that's usually when we're kind of down or out. And I've got to do something to get God to be happy with me. Nope. God's for you. If you just walk out with this point alone, God is always for me. You'll create or you'll cultivate God confidence. Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Listen to me, friends. We are not living for his approval. We are living from his approval. He loves us. Amen. Hebrews 10.35, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. That sounds good. All right, number two, we need to always know that God always helps me. If I'm going to create or cultivate God confidence, I've got to understand always, always, always that God always helps me. Hebrews 13.5, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Now watch here, verse six, so we say with, what's that word? Confidence. You guys are quiet. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. We've got a gentleman in our church. He's actually sitting in the room right now. I won't call him out by name. Got two guys actually sitting in this church right now that I won't call by name, but I'm so glad they're here. Let me give you an illustration. If something were to take place inside of this room right now where somebody had something happen to them physically, we have a firefighter in the room right now that knows enough that if something starts to happen to you, he would be able to assist. That's cool, huh? Right? So when I'm up here on the stage, if something was to happen in this moment, guess what I have inside of this room? Confidence. <laughs> Not in me, though. Trust me, you don't want me helping you. But because somebody is in the room who knows how to help people, if something were to happen in this moment, I would feel pretty confident that everything would be okay. Now, I say this very respectfully. We also have someone in the room that if somebody was to enter into our church building at any given time during this service, we have protection Amen. in this place. Amen. So when I'm up here and I'm speaking... If I was to see, remember we talked about distraction last week, somebody kind of walking through here and I knew it was a troubled situation, we've got a couple guys in this place right now that are going to be able to help us with that matter. Now watch here. We have helpers in the room. And by the way, they're certified and it's legitimate. Don't worry about that. What am I trying to say? 
isn't it amazing when you have the right people in the room that have certain talents, gifts, and abilities, how it helps you be at ease? Because they could what? They could help. When God is in your life, when God is invited into every single area of your life, you are not alone. You don't have to figure it all out by yourself. You have a helper. So when I talk about having God confidence, God is always with me, right? He's always there. And he's always there to help me as Omar comes. There are going to be times in all of our lives, and maybe even there right now, where we have areas where we just need help. We've got challenges. If you guys remember, a few weeks ago, we talked about how I felt God was leading us as a church to make sure that we had an answer for prayer, to make sure that we had an answer for next steps for new believers, to make sure that as a church, we were pressing into the pain of people's lives. Last week, we had a lot of people in our church and that were able to come, but they had the pain of finances. So for three weeks, every single Sunday for three weeks, there was a group of people meeting in a room with a gentleman who was very well educated, who knew his stuff, who was helping them with their pain. We realized that in our church and in our community that marriages are suffering and struggling, some on the brink of divorce. So we knew that. So last week we got up, and you would have saw it in the video announcements today, except the last week's got loaded, along with the fact that I was reminded of you guys sliming me and paying money to do so. Thank you for that. But we realized, man, there's a lot of marriages that are on the rocks. So on June 22nd, on a Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, we have a midweek group called Marriage on the Rock. We're going to get you off the rocks that are sharpie and messing your life up, and we're going to put your marriage on the rock, being God's word and God's ways. Why are we doing that? To press into the pain that many are experiencing. What are we trying to do with all that? We're trying to show you that God's your helper. You're not in this alone. He's got you. That's how you develop God confidence. My mentor used to always say this. He'd say, you live life looking forward, but you understand life looking back. And I can look back on my life and see all the times that God helped me. And because he helped me here, I'm now here. That's how God works. Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge. God is our strength. He's an ever-present help in trouble. If you find yourself in trouble, God's near. Lastly, and we close, number three, I can cultivate God confidence because God is so good. He's still working in me. Thank the Lord for that. Because I've got a lot of things that still need some fixing. And everyone said, come on, and everyone said. I mean, how many of you would say, thank God you're not what you used to be, right? Show of hands. You're happy, but how many of you would say with the other hand, I still got a long way to go. Woo, lady in the back's like shouting down back there. Things that we say. Here's what's comforting to me. What's comforting to me is I'm not confident in my own abilities because I'm confident in God that he's still working in me. 
Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who has begun a good work in you, he's begun a good work. Everyone say good work. He's created, he's begun a good work and will carry it out or carry it on to completion. And then it says this, until the day of Christ Jesus. Listen, I don't know who you are, but you need to hear this. God's still working on you. Don't give up on that yet. Don't give up on you. God's not done with you. Man, some of you, you need to know that because some of you, you did something wrong this week. And you're beating yourself up over it. God's not done with you. You feel the guilt. You feel the shame. You need to understand God's still working on you. Stop beating yourself up. Man, there's some of you, man, you have spiritual doubts. Man, you think, well, man, I, by this time in my faith, I should have all of these doubts taken care of. I should know God's word for those. But you need to understand, God's not done with you yet. He's still working. Man, others of you, you feel stuck in sin. Let's just call it out. There's something, it just keeps getting you. Your flesh is weak. You're trying on your own. And that sin just keeps knocking and knocking and knocking. And you keep losing to it. You can't seem to get out of it. And you think, man, surely by this time, this shouldn't be an issue anymore. But guess what? It still is. Can I encourage you, friend? God's not done with you. It's not over. He who begun a good work in you, he'll complete it. Some of you, man, you feel bad because you've been away from God. You feel bad. Listen to me. I came to tell you, you're hearing about a God who simply says, I'm not done with you. You're watching online right now. You're beating yourself up. God's not done with you. He's for you. You say, I don't know. You don't know what I've said. Or you, you're right, I don't. But God does. He's not done with you. Friends, I don't know any more of an encouraging word than understanding that God is not done with me. Because I'll be honest with you. There's times when I'm done with myself. I'm so frustrated. You ever just been frustrated by the things you say and do that you told yourself you wouldn't say or do? You ever been there? Okay, so maybe you didn't say or do. Maybe you just keep thinking it. You're so frustrated that you keep thinking it. And we put ourselves down and we be mindful of it. But friends, can I just tell you? God's for you. He's your helper. He's not done with you. Don't give up. No reason to give up. You get back up, but you don't give up. Though a righteous man falls seven times, what does he do? He gets back up. Man, listen, when I get to heaven, and it's only because of the finished work of the cross, by the way, because that could sound like a lot of self-confidence. It's because of what God did. It's almost like I'm going to be okay with saying, man, Lord, why do I keep doing that? And I could just hear him like a great coach. It's okay, you got back up. I know, but then I went again. Yep, and you got back up. It's almost like, I don't want to do it on purpose, but it's like, man, by the time I get to heaven, there's going to be a lot of falling down and getting back up, falling down and getting back up, falling down and getting back up. Why? Because I've got a sinful nature just like you do. I have things. The Bible says that we're only enticed by the things that grab our attention. We're not enticed by things that don't. It's a struggle. Man. 
Like some of them old gospel songs, you know? When it begins to talk about how we just get to finally walk away from our struggles. I look forward to that day. But in the meantime, can I just encourage you? Not self-confidence, God-confidence. God is always with me. God is always my helper, right? He's with me. He's always my helper. With him. Got it. With Christ. He's with me always. And he's with you. Amen. Would you stand on your feet? You guys have been a trouble. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with us, text CONNECT to 805-321-1357 or visit us at slow.canyonhills.com. Until next time, have a great day and be encouraged that God is with you and for you.